good morning, everybody. Good morning, kids. It's so good to have you in here. You know, sometimes the adults, when you speak to them, they look at you like this. So it's really nice to have all your happy faces here. In fact, I'm so glad because I've wanted to have a competition since I came to this church. You know, because a lot of the dads I've heard think that they're the strongest dad. Have you heard that? Some dads think that they're stronger than the other dads. And I thought it's time we have a competition. I like that, Charlie. You're already optioning up your dad. So we're going to, I want to see, I need five dads. Who thinks their dad is the strongest dad? Betsy, anybody? Anybody? Yes, I have a volunteer. Bring your dad here. If you think your dad is super strong, I need you to bring your dad up to the front. There, we've got one dad. We've got two dads, three dads. There we go, four dads. I need a fifth dad. Come on, bring us a fifth dad. There we go. There we go. Come on up, Raya, you've been nominated. Right, guys, let me just get some space for push-up space. Um, sorry. Okay, here we go, you're back here. Okay, at least I'm only letting you put one kid on your back here. You could have ended up with five. <laughs> okay, so five space. Yeah, okay, that's your elbow. So, Dad, what we're going to do is we're going to let you form a push-up position. I don't know what it looks like. I don't do those things. But you're going to do it, and you're going to have one child sitting on your back. And we're going to see who does the most. Who's dad, who do you think who's dad is the strongest? Guys? Let's see. Okay. Ray, where did you go? You were nominated. It's too late. Come on. Ray. Ray. Here we go. Awesome. Okay, guys, here we go. Come on, come on. That's it. Pick the littlest kid. The youngest. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Dad, you can pick up the position. I don't have any backtrack music. If anyone wants to beatbox, that's cool. Alright. No, you gotta sit on your back hand. You gotta sit on your back shoulders. Are you ready? Okay, kids, got two. That's what happens. <laughs> Alright. And here we go. We're going to say, well, I'm going to say start, and then we're going to go one, two, and you do one on each count, and then you see who lasts the longest. Alright, give them a round of applause just for being a best friend. Alright, here we go. Only one. Start one. Quick. Here we go. And stop. One, two, three. Someone put a kid on red. Um, 
Wow, you know, do you know boys and girls and adults alike? A lot of people really like to brag that they are super good at things. Have you ever heard someone on the playground say, I'm super fast, I'm the fastest? Yes? Yes? Have you adults ever heard, have you seen my new car? I am so happy with my new car. Or, I did this really awesome thing. I can't think of adult things right now. I've totally switched it to kid mind. Um, but, you know, a lot of people boast. We all do. Who here has ever boasted before in anything? Oh, come on. Come on. We, we all want to share the wonderful news that we are good at things and we can do things and we've got strengths. And, you know, today we're going to be reading a part of the Bible where Paul tells us about the opposite. He tells us we must brag in our weaknesses. Sounds a bit odd, but I wanted to start off by sharing this story. A long time ago, there was a shoemaker. And one day, while he was in his workplace, he was working really hard. And shoemakers have this tool that kind of looks like a wooden handle, like if you've ever seen a screwdriver. But it's called a shoemaker's awl. Not an owl, like I thought, an awl. And what it looks like, it's like this really long pointy thing, like a hook. And they use it, obviously, to do the delicate things. And while he was working, there was an accident. It fell off of his table, and it poked his nine-year-old son in the eye. And his son went blind. And his son was so sad because he couldn't see. And he had to go to a school for blind children. And while he was there, they taught him to read using big wooden blocks. And he found it so difficult that he thought he's going to invent a new way to read. And so he created a new way involving punching tiny little dots of holes into paper. And Lewis Braille devised a new method using that same awl that poked his eye to create a new, easier way, a better way for the blind to see. Braille. His name is Lewis Braille. And when this lady, Patricia Sprinkle, told this story, she suggested that there might be a falling awl in each of our own eyes. Something that we all struggle with, that we all think makes us weak. And she said, often, when something like that happens, we're faced with two questions. We either go one way or the other. The first is either, why did God allow this to happen? Or, what can God use this for? And when I first read this story, and I'm sure for most of you, when you talk about an all or something you struggle with, or something that's hard, or something that you're weak in, we all start to think, what is my all? What is, what is my thorn in the flesh, as Paul calls it? And we live in a fallen world, an imperfect world, where there's struggles, where there's struggles, I'm trying to figure out what that is, but it's just my breathing, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, we live in an imperfect world filled with struggles, filled with trials. And maybe we are acutely aware of what our struggle is. Maybe it's an agonizing, distressing, I know exactly what it is that I am weak at or makes me struggle. Or maybe we pretend it's not there, we're like, no, no, I have no weaknesses, that's just, you know, that's just something everybody's, you know, it's nothing. Um, but to be weak in our society is not desirable. It's not cool to be weak. Do you guys think it's cool to be the slowest kid in class? Hey? No. Do you, like, if you get the lowest mark in your grade, it's not like something you want to shout out from the rooftop. It's like, I am the last in my class. Mom, Dad, be proud. 
here I am, your child, the bottom. You know, like, no, it's, we're told that we've got to be the best and we've got to be the strongest. And yet, when Paul's enemies start bragging and saying, we're so much better than Paul. We have visions. We have revelations. God speaks to us all the time. I'm sorry, a lot of this is going to be changed to my kid voice. For obvious reasons. And it's still the adult message. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they were bragging and saying, we're so much better. Paul says, you know what? I haven't bragged because there's no point in it. But we're getting to the point where I now have to share with you the things just so that you know what God is doing. Because you guys have been so ridiculous saying that because we're not bragging and because we're not boasting, because of this and this and this, you are better. And so Michael Eaton reveals that Paul is, they, these guys think he's a spiritual weakling because he's not bragging about these things. And therefore he says, as he starts 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. And this is what he says. So our scripture today is from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1 to 10. And Paul writes, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded for the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. I figured I can't hold the mic. No, okay. <laughs> um, but Paul shares this incredible experience, and he doesn't even highlight that it was him who experienced it. He even withholds the details of it. He doesn't tell them all the incredible things that he saw or should not be saying or heard. He holds it back because that's not the point of why he saw it. He holds it back because he doesn't want glory for himself. He doesn't want to prop himself up. He doesn't want to be thought of more highly than he should because God showed him this. And he only shares it now because these people in the Corinthians are throwing all these accusations and leveling all these things. But the visions and revelations that the Holy Spirit gives us are for a purpose, just not for our own glory. I've asked Finn and Ivy to read for me. Won't you come up, guys? They are the next two scriptures that highlight why God gave us these scriptures. You can read Humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given in me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with 
sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, so in Christ we, though many, so though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to leave, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, that manifestation of the Spirit is given for the command of it. Thank you, The Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts. We've been given different gifts. And he's given us them for the blessing of others and for the common good. Paul highlights that where he says we're not given gifts to build ourselves up. To say, look at what God can do for me. I can prophesy. We're given gifts to bless others and to glorify God. And Paul encourages us to be humble in the gifts as he continues in verse 7. Where he says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults, in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul has been given a thorn in his flesh, and God allows it. God is very much aware that there is a struggle that Paul is facing, and he allows it so that Paul would be remain, allowed to remain humble. Michael Eaton um, suggests a couple of possibilities, and I thought I'd read it straight from his book, instead of just completely paraphrasing it. And he, he suggests some possibilities of what the thorn in Paul's flesh could be. And the reason he suggests them is not that they're all very probable and likely, but that because most of us will probably resonate and they could be the thorn on our side. So this is what it says. We can list some possibilities, but a more important question is, do you have a thorn in the flesh? Something immensely painful in your life, which will not go away no matter how much you pray. We can consider the possibilities in Paul's life, but is one of the possibilities to be found in yours? Was it in some physical difficulty? Malaria, poor eyesight, severe headaches, epilepsy, all of these have been suggested. Was it in his enemies? Possibly an enemy. Was it persecution or a heretic constantly troubling the church? Was it some temptation that Paul found very powerful? Temptation. I'm not going to say the words, but you see my eyes. Temptation. Could it have been his agony over Israel, the nation he loved so much? Could it be rejection by those he loved? Was it a speech impediment? Could it have been psychological trauma which had damaged him mentally, bouts of depression, suicidal impulses, grief over his involvement in Stephen's, Stephen's death? 
There are so many. And for us, we could probably resonate with one or more of those. My personal, I'm very aware of what my personal thorns are. In fact, um, it's going to be a lifelong battle for me because I've asked God many times to just say, Lord, oh, take this from me. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And yet, here I am today. So maybe in the future, but when I was young, I always felt a passion to serve God and to go into ministry. And the first thing I did out of high school was I joined a Year of Your Life program. And I served in the church and I threw myself full in. I was doing youth groups and kids groups and dance groups for the dramas and schools ministry and it was just crazy and by the end of that year I was absolutely exhausted, absolutely broken, absolutely feeling as though I am not cut out for this, I am not good enough and through a whole lot of historical things in my life and relationships and bullying and things like that I've always had a struggle with not feeling good enough to be loved by God, to be accepted by God, never mind to be used by God. When you picture somebody up in front leading or preaching or that, you think, wow, that person must just have it together. You know, like that person must just really, you know, like they can't have many flaws or tough problems. And when I was serving and contemplating this, I was like, Lord, this is not, like, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough. And so for a year, I ran away to politics because I thought I could maybe help the world some other way. But after a year of running away, I had a conversation with a pastoral couple in East London. And the, the wife turned to me and she said, Angela, why aren't you in kids' ministry? And up until that point, nobody had ever asked me the question. They all just accepted it was a phase and, you know, I moved on. And I looked at her and I, I said to her, because I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be in ministry. And they looked at me and they were like, what do you mean? And I explained, you know, how flawed I am and how there's so much better people out there, people who like read their Bible way more often or, you know, are much better at things. And after a deep conversation, they helped me see that it's not my goodness, it's God's goodness and His grace and His Spirit working and I'm just willing and loving Him and He looks at my heart. And my thorn is a constant, my desire is to serve God, and I know He's called me into ministry, but any time that I have to serve or do something like even this morning, that fear and that doubt will creep in, and I'll hear the voice saying, who are you to stand there and share God's work? What makes you worthy or good enough to stand there and tell people about God's work and God's love? I recognize it though now because I know where it is and I know where it's come from. And I'm very quick to say, Lord Jesus, not today, help me. Take these thoughts captive, Lord. Remind me of who I am in you. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the High King. And you have called me to share your message. It's not about these people who need to know your word. And I will be faithful in my thoughts because when I am weak, you are strong. This entire week, I have been sick horribly. Not COVID, um, for the recording. Um, but there were many times, even this morning, where they said, how are you feeling? I was like, no. Uh, I'm trusting that God is going to be strong today. And the next time Terry hands out the message titles, I'm going to pay very careful attention to which ones I am given. Because I want those financial prosperity ones. Don't give me the weak ones. This whole week, I felt so, so weak. 
My grand has been in hospital, struggling so much, ups and downs. We literally don't know what to expect one day from the next. And it's just felt like every avenue has just been going. And I've been going, God, you know what I'm preaching on Sunday, so you must have a plan for this. When I am weak, you are strong. Maybe you feel like that sometimes too. Maybe you feel like, I want to do so much for God, but I don't know, you know if I'm the right person. What can God do with me? Am I, am I good enough? What are people going to think if I go and I start saying, I pray for you? I encourage them with the scripture. But you know, God is so gracious. And Paul rejoices in his weakness. He says, I rejoice in my weakness. I rejoice in persecutions, in trials. When things are hard, I rejoice. That God would do wonderful things to afford people like us. Because man looks on the outside and God looks on the heart. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And when I when I hear this, I hear I think of a, a story in the Bible. And kids, this is just for you. I need you, I need your help. In fact, I need a Gideon and an angel. Oh, Gareth Cobb, you look like you're not doing much. Where'd you come up? And, and you know, there's this man in the Bible. So kids, I need you up and close of you there. Come sit right in front, because I need an army. And fantastic. They're, they're getting their clothes ready. There was a man, and we don't know much about the type of judges. That's it. This morning, as you know, the downstairs venue was locked, so we couldn't get in. So we've transformed our message. So on the spot, a lot of things have had to change this morning, which is wonderful. So it happens that my brother and my husband are very adaptable too. <laughs> so at a moment's notice, hey, here we go. Okay, guys, come have a seat, come have a seat. All right. Costume changes. Very weird looking Okay. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wonderful. I'm so glad you're here, guys. All right. Okay, Angel, you go over there. Gideon, you stand right there. Now, if you don't know anything about the time of the judges, before they had kings, hey Gabriel, before they had kings, before they had rulers, the Israelites had people called judges. And when they would turn away and stop listening to God, God would let the enemies come and start like messing with them and bullying them because they weren't listening to God anymore. So God would say, okay, do things your way. And he'd leave them. And when the enemies would get too much, they would start crying out, say, God, please save us again. God, please save us. And then God would send the judge and he would save them. And then when everything was okay, they would forget about God again. Now, one of these times, the Israelites had stopped listening to God. They had turned away, they were doing their own thing. And what happened was the Midianites began to attack. The Midianites would come in the night and they would steal all their sheep. And then they would steal all their goats. And then the Israelites would work really hard and they would plant lots and lots of food. And the Midianites would come and they would take all the food from their farms. And the Israelites were so scared that they started hiding in caves. They hid in caves in the mountains to get away. And they cried out to God. They said, God, please remember us. We are sorry. Please come save us. Now, one of those Israelites was Gideon. Okay, you've got muscles, but he didn't have muscles. Okay, so. And Gideon was hiding, that's it. Hey, Gareth, Gareth for this 
And God said, tell everybody who's scared, aka wearing blue and you're an adult, to leave and go home. So Gideon said, anyone scared, go home. Anyone scared, go home. And all the adults who were wearing blue sat down. Look at that. There were 22,000 soldiers who went up, not really all the way home, just sitting down. <laughs> oh, he's going to go up a record pool. I can just send someone out of church. Great. So <laughs> there were only 10,000 people left. And God said to Gideon, you still have too many people. So he said, take them down to the river, and everybody who laps up their water like a dog and keeps, no, laps up with their hand and looks around, tell them to stay. But anybody who laps the water like a dog, tell them to go home. And all the rest of the adults lapped up their, their water like a dog, and they all had to sit down. And we were only left with 300 brave kid soldiers. Yeah, well done, guys. You have made it. And God said to Gideon, I will win this war for you with 300 against tens of thousands so that people will know that I did this for the Israelites. So Gideon called his army together. Army, come together. And he gave gave them jars of clay and torches. Just spread those out. And he said to them, in the night, we're going to go and surround the army. And so they stood in a circle around the army campsite, just standing in a big circle. Big circle. And when Gideon gives the signal, they were going to crash their jaws and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon! Can you do that? Okay, you practice quick with it. God is strong, and that, that means it's like we all, nobody's 
perfect, and we all have things we're good at to things we're not. And God says, when we trust Him, He will give us His strength and His power to do incredible things so that everyone will know how awesome God is. Isn't that awesome that we don't have to be awesome and powerful by ourselves? We can trust God to give us power and strength. Isn't that cool? Amazing. Amazing. In fact, there's one example that I want to share with you as because of humility and power. In Philippians 2, it's written about imitating Christ's humility. And it says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each one of, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And this is the most impressive thing. Listen to about Jesus, what it says. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. By being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and earth under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a better example can we find than Jesus? Jesus was so powerful, so incredible, and yet so humble. C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. God moves incredible ways, and He fills us with His Spirit and His power for His glory and the benefit of others. When when people see ordinary people who love God, who struggle and face trials, trusting God and allowing God to work in and through them, they get a glimpse of the light of Jesus that He says we are. They see God at work. They see His Spirit moving. What a wonderful and freeing thought that we can boast in our weaknesses. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be scared or embarrassed. We can trust God to work in and through us amidst our weakness and struggles because of His greatness and goodness. We're all sitting here in different situations today and I want to leave with these last three thoughts. If you've been sitting there thinking, I've got gifts and I can use them. I'm ready to go. God has given me gifts. That's amazing. Remember the humility that Paul encourages us to have. If you're sitting here and you're scared and you're going, I don't know what God can do. I'm not very strong. I'm pretty weak. That's fine. Draw closer to God. Talk to God about it. Let God fill you with His Spirit. Let Him encourage you. Let Him work through you. And lastly, if there's a huge thorn that maybe is really just niggling you and not letting you go and causing distress, allow God to work in you. Take it to Him. Paul sought God in earnest prayer. He took it to God. He trusted God to use it to to change his character, to help him be more reliant on God. And when it all seems overwhelming, be still and remember that God is God. God says, but be still and know that I am God. His grace is sufficient for you. And wait for him to guide you in the next step. Just one step. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you so much for your love and your patience and your kindness towards us. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your word. We thank you that when we are weak, we are strong because we rest in your power, in your strength. Father God, this morning, won't you, as you've spoken to each of us differently, help us to go from this place stronger in our identity in you. Encourage that we don't have to be perfect and strong. We can we can praise you in the difficulties. We can praise you with the thorns. We can praise you in the trials, Lord. In our weakness, we can give you glory, God. You are incredible and beyond words, Father. You are so good and gracious. And we thank you for today, and we give you all the glory. In your precious name, amen.